Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, turn it to 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. We've been in a series called Big Problems, Bigger God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you got problems? You got a bigger God? That's really the takeaway that I want you to get from this series. No matter what you walk through in life, you have a God who will never leave you, will never forsake you. He goes with you through the valleys and takes you to the mountaintops. I am so thankful for the faithfulness of God that I have seen in my life and that I have learned to see the goodness of God right here in the land of the living. I was thinking this morning as I was sitting in the back, I was talking to some gentlemen as we were praying and preparing for the service. And this dropped in my mind. I wrote it down. Time is your testimony. Time is your testimony. Don't judge what you are going through while you are going through it because time becomes your testimony. When you stand on the other side of the valley and you look back and you go, wow, great is thy faithfulness. It didn't feel like he was with me in the middle of it. But now that I look back, I know that he was with me. And if God is with you, you can make it through any situation. Turn to the person next to you and say, if God is with you, you can make it through any situation. In 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, we're going to look at a story of a mom who was going through something catastrophic. I would put this under the category of a big problem. But I want you to see how this worked out for her, and I want you to begin to apply some of these principles to your life. Whether you're a mom or not, we can all apply what we're going to get here today. So 2 Kings 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha. Elisha is the man of God who spoke the word of God to the people of God on God's behalf. That's what it means to be a prophet. When Elisha is speaking, he is speaking the word of God. So this lady, when she has a crisis, she goes to the word of God. Let me say this to you this morning. We no longer have to go seek out a prophet. We no longer have to go seek out an individual because not only do we have God's word, we also have God's spirit. And so we can go directly to the throne room of God because of the blood of Jesus and get the answer we need when we need it. He's an ever-present help in time of need. Too many people nowadays were chasing after this man or this woman trying to receive a word. Stop it. Go after the Lord Jesus Christ. Get to know him. You know, we we live in a a day and age, and I guess it's been like this for a long time, but we want like quick results. We want the diet pill that melts it all away. Now they've got the shot that you can stick yourself with, and and it melts everything away. We want immediate results with very little effort. But let me tell you something. When it comes to the kingdom of God, there is some effort. And that effort to build a relationship is what brings you into the promises, and the favor of God. So stop trying to shortcut things. Go through the process. Get to know him. He loves you. You need to know that. He loves you. There is no one that he loves any more 
than you because he loves us all the same. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you are currently walking through. God loves you and he is there to help you, but you've got to reach out to him. Turn the person next to you and say, reach out. He's my own personal Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, some of y'all sinned way too long. Y'all know that song. <laughs> so now the wife of the one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha. Here's what she says. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? What do you have in your possession. And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels and when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Tell the person next to you, your oil is enough. It may seem small, it may seem little, it may seem insignificant, but what you have is enough. There's a lot I could say about my mom on this Mother's Day, but a verse that I think sums it up is Proverbs 31:25 that she is clothed with strength and dignity. My mom knows how to walk through hell and come out looking like heaven. Anybody got a mom like that? Knows how to walk through hell but still look like heaven. Knows how to carry the burden of the family and yet not burden the family. And I believe that this clothing of strength and dignity comes from her ability to press into the presence of God through worship. I remember as a child her playing piano at church with tears streaming down her face as she was worshiping God. I was told, I don't remember this, but I was told that even as a little, little baby, she would set me under the piano while she played. And as I grew a little bit older, if I would get a little bit rambunctious under the piano, mom would be playing, and y'all know, Pentecostal, it's the window washer, you know? That's what you call it, it's the window washer. And mom would just reach down and pop me and never miss a lick. I mean, she would never break her stride. She, she could correct me and worship God at the same time. And, it, you know, I was able to fit under that piano until I was like 18 years old. <laughs> but mom was a worshiper. She was a sincere worshiper it wasn't just on the stage on Sunday mornings but it was in her private time spending time with God I remember 
moments when she would draw us together, the kids together, in the bedroom. And Armenians have, uh, we call it a prayer rug. There's nothing sacred, sacred about the rug. It's just something that we lay down and we used to kneel and we pray. And I remember gathering around that prayer rug with my brother and my mom and praying. She knew how to take her cares to God and not carry them herself. That's why she had the ability to go through hell and walk out on the other side looking like heaven. And that's what we see happening with this lady in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. She is going through hell. This is a hellacious circumstance. Her husband is dead. The man that she planned to spend the rest of her life with, the man that she planned to grow old with, is no longer there. How many of you know life doesn't always go as you plan it? And so you can either shift and keep on moving, or you can die where you are. When life doesn't work out the way you think, you can either give up or you can keep on moving. So when things shifted in this lady's life, instead of giving up, she decides, I'm going to go see Elisha. I'm going to take this to the man of God because I know that God is bigger than this problem. Even though my husband is dead, even though my provider is gone, even though they're coming to take my children, that's the worst part of the story. Because you moms know that if you had somebody coming to take your children, you would give yourself before you gave your kids. But the problem is they don't want her. They want the kids because they can get more work out of the kids. And everything that she has tried is not enough. Everything that she has, she views as not enough. And sometimes in life, when something is not enough, we self-reflect and feel like we are not enough. We feel like we're not smart enough. We feel like we're not good enough. We feel like we are not wealthy enough. We feel like we're not young enough. We feel like we're not old enough. Just because we do not have enough, we feel like we are the one that is not enough. But what I want you to know is your life is not determined by what you have, but by who has you. Your life is not determined by what you have, but by who has you. Because the one that has you has invested something inside of you that may seem small, it may seem insignificant, but in his hands, he can do something great with it. Because how many of you know, little is much when God is in it. I want to say that again. Little is much when God is in it. It doesn't take a lot, but it does take you releasing what you've got. Coming to God, understanding that what I have on my own, it's not enough. But if I can give it to the Lord, he can take that little and do something incredible with it. Somebody needs to hear that today. He has deposited something inside of you greater than you can even fathom this morning. And as soon as you lend it to him 
As soon as you place it in his hands, he steps in and begins to do something with it that you could not do with it on your own. If you look at the story of Jesus feeding the multitude, there are thousands of hungry people, and all they have is five loaves of bread and two fish. Nowhere near enough to feed the crowd that was there. Nowhere near enough to feed even one disciple if they're anything like me. I promise you, five loaves of bread and two fish ain't going to go long in a church meeting if I'm there. Yet they give it to Jesus. He blesses it. He breaks it. And it begins to multiply. We hear these stories as we grow up in church and we see them as cute little fairy tales. But God is trying to show us something beyond five loaves of bread and two fish. He's trying to show us that if we will place our life in his hand, that's when our potential comes alive. That's when all things become possible. And so this lady, all she has is this little bit of oil that she sees as not enough. When Elisha says, what do you have? She responds with nothing. And sometimes that's how we view our life. What you've got? Nothing. Just this little bit of oil, but it's insignificant. But today, that shifts. Today, that changes. Today, we start looking at what we have as something when it's placed in the hands of God. Today, we stop allowing the facts to determine or affect our faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not going to allow the facts to affect my faith. Some of you need to write that down. If you like tattoos, go ahead and put that on your forearm. That's law. Stop allowing the facts to affect your faith. Fact. Fact. This woman's husband is dead. It's not a figment of her imagination. Fact. Her provider is gone. Fact. His debt is now her dilemma. Can I sidestep for a moment? Before you join yourself to someone in holy matrimony, you may want to see how they handle finances. Because their debt is going to become your dilemma. Now let's step back into this sermon. Some, some of you ladies out there are like, oh, Jesus, I know that's true. <laughs> that's, those are the facts. Her husband's dead. His debt is now her dilemma. Their creditors are going to take her children away. And she does not have what it takes to pay the debt. But how many of you know that God doesn't play by the same rules we play by? Did you know that? He doesn't play by our natural rules because he is supernatural. He is beyond what is natural. He is super. Somebody say super. super. Natural. That means beyond natural. That means he does what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it, no matter what it looks like in the natural. In the natural, dead people don't come back to life. Jesus shows up, they do. In the natural, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to a fiery furnace that is so hot that the guards taking them to the fire are dropping dead from heat stroke. The fire is hot. That is a fact. Yet at the same time, 
they're okay because they're with God. You could go on and on and on and on and on through Scripture and see how God overrides the facts for people who have faith. So it doesn't matter what your situation looks like today. It doesn't matter what the facts are. If you have faith, God can override it. If you have faith, God can override it. Why? Because faith makes all things possible. If I can just believe that God is big enough to step in. And not just believe that he's big enough, but believe that he desires to. Rich, that's one of the issues that honestly I've wrestled with in my life. I've, I've never lacked the faith of believing that God can do, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're dead, God can bring you back to life. This is going on in my life, God can help. I've never lacked that faith. What I have lacked and what I have wrestled with is, but will he do it for me? Sometimes I can believe that God will do it for you, but will he do it for me. I think sometimes we get caught up in that because of, of our knowing of who we are. And we feel like, well, I, I, don't, I don't deserve it. Like, I can see why God would help you. I can see why God would bless you. I, I can see why God would help you, but why would he help me knowing what I've done? Why would he help me when he knows that I'm the one that got myself into this in the first place? This debt that she's in is nobody's fault except for her and her husband. They got themselves into the predicament. And now the creditors are coming to take their children because of their bad choices. But God loves her enough to move on her behalf. I want you to hear this today. I want you to personalize this today. God loves you enough. I'm trying to scan the audience so I can make eye contact with everyone. <coughs> Camera. God loves you enough to move on your behalf. So I'm not going to allow the facts to affect my faith. It doesn't matter what it looks like. God is big enough to show up. God is big enough to turn it around. Some of my greatest testimonies in life have come from the most painful moments of my life. The things that should have crushed me have turned around to be the things that have propelled me. The things that did not make sense in the moment are the same things that God has used to get me where I am today. That's why a verse that we continually say over and over again at Activation Church is all things are working together for your good. It doesn't mean it looks good. It doesn't mean it feels good in the moment, but everything is working to your good, to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. He just has this way of stepping in and taking our mess and doing something beautiful with it. He, he has this way of taking our messy situation and giving us a message of hope to help somebody else. As long as I'm not willing to allow the facts to affect my faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can't allow the facts to affect your faith. 
I am one of three sons, probably my mom's favorite son. <laughs> right now as I preach, I have two other brothers preaching at the same time, and my mom is probably watching my live stream. So to my brothers, if you go back and watch this later, just know, mom's getting fed here. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. My, my older brother's long-winded, so she's able to watch our entire service and catch the majority of his sermon. <laughs> this is getting bad. <laughs> we need some B-roll so that we can edit all of this out of the <laughs> final thing. But no, I love, I love my brothers, even though they're inferior. Um, <laughs> Where am I going with this, Rich? There's three of us. That's, I remember that much. But my mom, her first pregnancy, she was pregnant before my older brother. And she had some complications. My dad came home to find her laying in a pool of her own blood. They rushed her to the hospital. They had to perform an emergency surgery on her. She received the, ba the news that the baby was gone. But beyond the news of hearing that she has lost her baby, she also received the news that she would never have children. It was physically impossible. It was medically impossible. During the surgery, they did things to her body that made it to where it was an impossibility for her to have children. They didn't consult God because God had already determined that she would have three sons that would preach the gospel. And so it doesn't matter what the facts look like. If God wants me to have children, I will have children no matter what the doctors say. If God wants me to live, I will live no matter what anyone thinks. John the Revelator, the, the, the disciple who wrote the book of Revelation, was boiled in oil and he did not die. Why? Because God still had a purpose for him. Because God overrides the facts. Here's what you need to understand. Faith is not ignoring the facts. Faith is not ignoring the facts. Faith is saying it doesn't matter what the facts are, I'm going to keep on moving. When, when, when my mom was pregnant with me, she had complications. We're in the hospital I was turned the wrong way. The doctors came in, they said, we've got to perform an emergency C-section. The doctors ran out to go get all their stuff. My father laid his hand on my mother's stomach. He prayed and I flipped around and she gave birth to me normally. Why? Because God overrides the facts for those who have faith. So the facts will not affect my faith and the facts will not determine my future. Turn to the person next to you and say, the facts will not determine my future. I have to learn, and this is, this is a word for somebody in here, I've got to learn how to face the fear and keep on moving. See, sometimes we think that once we operate in faith, fear no longer exists. That's not true. It's not true for me. It's not true for some of the people that you read about in Scripture. The truth is, faith and fear 
Faith and fear, faith and fear can be in the same space at the same time. The choice is, which one do I pivot towards? Are you following me? Let me take you to the Bible because some of you all are looking at me like I'm crazy because some of, you, some of you grew up with a religion that said, if there's any fear in you, you ain't gotten the faith. I'm not saying that fear is a good thing. I'm not saying fear is from God. I'm, God has not given you a spirit of fear. But that doesn't mean that fear won't try to show up and talk to you every once in a while. Anybody know that I'm telling the truth? So watch this. Peter, you know the story? He's on the boat. Jesus comes walking on the water. The disciples panic. Why? Because they're fearful. They think it's a ghost. Am I accurate so far? Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't worry. It's me. Peter says, if it is you, bid me come. Tell me to come. Jesus says, come. Peter steps out of the boat in faith, standing on the word. That's a completely different sermon right there. But he's standing on the word of God in faith. That's what's keeping him up. Now he is defying the laws of nature because of his faith. But as he gets out there and he starts walking on the water, he starts noticing the wind that's howling. He starts noticing the waves that are crashing. And he pivots towards the fear that was there. What happens? He begins to sink. That's how life works. Fear and faith are always present. We've got to learn how to pivot away from fear and towards faith. I'm aware, hear me, I'm aware of the wind. I'm aware of the waves, but I'm aware of his presence. And because I'm aware of his presence, I'm not going to lean into the fear. I may hear the wind in the back of my head. I may feel it blowing. I may be getting rocked a little bit by the waves. I may be getting a little bit wet, a little bit splashed, but I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus because he is the one that is keeping me afloat. That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith because he's the one keeping you afloat when all hell starts to break loose against you. The, the reason I want to say that is because some of you are walking through difficult situations right now that look impossible, and you're worried about it, and rightfully so. I mean, when you lose your job and you don't know how you're going to support your family, that, that's something that you should consider. And there's going to be a voice that says, oh, you did it now. You messed up now. You're not enough. You don't have enough if you did this or did that and you start comparing yourself to everybody else. That's natural. That's normal. Fear will speak. But when fear speaks, you can say, I'm aware of the situation. But I am aware that if God is for me, then nothing and no one can be against me. I'm going to make it through this storm. 
I don't know how, Teresa, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the storm. I don't know when. <laughs> That's a different thing. I don't even know when I'm going to make it through the storm. Because some storms have a longer season than others. So I don't know how, Rich. I don't know when, but I know I will. I know I will. I know I will because God has a purpose for my life. Before he formed me in my mother's womb, he called me, he chose me, he anointed me, and he appointed me. And that is not just a word for me, that is a word for you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you and he was aware of every situation that you were going to walk through in your life. Nothing took him off guard. And the sooner I realize that, the sooner I understand that, that my life is in his hands, my, my life is determined by what he says about me, then I know I'm going to be okay. Because he will do with me what needs to be done. I may get beat up along the way. I may pick up some scars, but it's okay. Because that beat down becomes my testimony. Those scars become my testimony to show me that if God can help me, he can help you. If he can bring me through, he can bring you through. That's why you should never be ashamed of your past. Because that's part of your story that has brought you to where you are now. That's a part of your story that you can use to help somebody else when they're down. That's a part of your story that you can use to encourage somebody else who's going through something similar to you. That if it had not been for the Lord Jesus Christ who was on my side, where would I be? But I don't even have to consider it because he is on my side. He's always been on my side. Before he formed me, he died for me so that I could have life, so that I could live, so that I could experience the peace of God that goes beyond understanding so that I could experience joy unspeakable, full of glory. That is our inheritance, church. Joy and peace is your inheritance. Strength is your inheritance. I want the people of Activation Church to be the happiest people on planet Earth. Not because we've got it all together, not because we don't have any problems, but because we serve a God who is greater than anything we will ever face. I could go on and on and talk about the goodness of God and the things that I have seen him accomplish in my life. But the bigger point is getting you to the place of understanding, Martin, that he can do that through you, that he can do that for you, knowing that even though we are on May 14th, 2023, he has already gone to the very end of our story and worked it out. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to worry. I don't have to have fear because it's already written. It's already there. And if I'll just walk with him, he'll take me to it. I've used this, this analogy a lot, but I want to use it again as we close. The lazy river at Whitewater. You ever gotten in the lazy river? If you haven't been in the lazy river, the way it works is it's this, it's this pool that goes around and around, and there's these jet streams, I guess you would call it jet streams, pumps, that push the water. And as soon as you get in, if you just relax, you'll begin to go where you need to go. 
That's how the purpose of God works. You don't have to strive. All you have to do is step in, relax, rest on him. But when I was a kid, we didn't want to just get in there and float. We wanted to turn around and fight against the current to see how far we could go. Some of you in here, that's, that's the struggle that you're feeling every day. You're like, why, God? Why? Why, Lord Jesus, why? It's because you're going against the current. You've decided that you're going to do life your own way, that you're going to do finances your own way. You're going to do relationship. Uh, I'm going to do relationships my own way. And until I turn around and just go, okay, forget about it. Take me, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to fight against it. But the, that struggle is actually the goodness of God trying to tell you, turn around, dummy. I don't think God's calling you a dummy, but I am. <laughs> the King James would be, you are dumbest, turneth around. He's saying, he's saying, turn around and let me take you to the place I've prepared for you. He's got a good place, a pleasant place for each and every person in this room. And if you'll relax and rest and trust him, stop fighting the current, stop staring at the facts, lean into your faith, he will get you there.